Welcome to the Center for Internet Security's podcast, Cybersecurity Where You Are. Cybersecurity affects us all, whether we are at home, managing a company, supporting clients, or even running a state or local government. Join CIS's Sean Atkinson and Tony Sager as they discuss trends and threats, ways to implement controls and infrastructure, explore best practices, and interview experts in the industry. We are here to bring clarity to these complex issues to bring confidence in the connected world. Okay, welcome back to the podcast from the Center for Internet Security at Cybersecurity Where You Are. And uh, you know, we've never followed the same format in any two episodes, and this is no exception. This is a, we're going to do something a little different, though. This is our uh, celebration of the end of the year, of end of 2021, our first year of operation here with the CIS podcast. And uh, it's been quite a year, mission-wise, uh, industry-wise, uh, in terms of people, in terms of growth of the company, and the challenges that we all face in cybersecurity. So it's a real pleasure to kind of wrap things up, take a look back at our first year, uh, think a little bit about what we were trying to do, and figure out what we actually did during the year. So welcome back, Sean. Always a pleasure to greet my co-host, uh, Sean Atkinson, the CISO from the Center for Internet Security. Uh, any opening thoughts for the for the audience, Sean, about the last year and uh, in particular, the role the podcast has sure, played. absolutely. I mean, it's the year that keeps on giving for cybersecurity, no question. Uh, we're living it right now. <laughs> um, but with the podcast, I just um, you know we've got to you know twenty twenty one episodes with this, and it's just phenomenal work. That uh, again, a privilege to speak with you, and again, I just get so much fulfillment out of it, being able to just sit down and and really just talk about the issues of the day, uh, kind of conceptually, strategically. Uh, and uh, some of the stories that help, uh, you know, from your career, Tony, that help uh, guide me in my career um, and uh, moving forward with uh, getting security integrated, uh, especially with third parties. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that momentarily. And um, and <laughs> again, working with the team, I, you know, we've got a couple guests with us today. Uh, Chad Rogers, our esteemed engineer and our lead, our our. Uh, uh, executive producer, uh, Jason, uh, VP of Communications, Jason Forget uh, at Center for Internet Security. So without them, um, we wouldn't have a voice uh, through the podcast, Tony. So it's great to have them here with us today, reviewing 2021, uh, what we've done, and then where we want to go in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's been been fun. Yeah, we appreciate Chad also stepping out from the behind the virtual camera and microphone to normally he's the guy behind the scenes telling us what to do or correcting the mistakes that we have made. So Chad, uh, really, it's been a pleasure to work with you also and to see see how some of this happens behind the scenes. Yeah, I mean, I actually I actually exist, and, uh, <laughs> but it's it's always been it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I I think uh, hey Sean, this was also a first for you, wasn't it? Putting together a regular podcast. It certainly was. So I, I'm not sure what I expected, but it's actually gone uh, really smoothly. Not that I'm surprised, but, you, you know, the, um, the, the, the good news is we have such a great team at CIS that we've been able to focus on that conversation you talked about, right? Learning from each other, uh, kind of bringing in some of the things that are happening uh, in the current events, but also the role of CIS in, in supporting our adopter base. And I think that's been really a a great part of it for me. That is our, the conversation. You know, we are focused on that, but there's all this stuff happening behind the scenes and to make the, the uh, a podcast possible and to make it uh, you know, accessible to everyone else. Absolutely. And I think in, in a lot of cases, it's the timeliness. You know, we're, we're able to talk about topics and we've got a number of episodes that, again, the team just bringing all of this together, is, it's phenomenal and it's uh, a privilege to have this opportunity to do this work. And obviously that doesn't, uh, you know, occur. And again, want to mention uh, Daniel Kuntz, who's also part of this, uh, directing us, making sure we're, we're putting great content together for the community uh, and again, I, I have to thank Chad because he makes me sound good. Uh, unfortunately, I've got a uh, a few verbal ticks that get removed. Uh, too many brilliance in some cases, Chad, but uh, that's where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, we, we got it. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And yeah, but yeah, big kudos to Danielle, who's really the the mastermind that has brought all this together. You know, I went back to listen to the first few minutes of our first episode. And, and, and frankly, I normally cringe when I go back to listen to anything I've ever recorded. And I think uh, you, you appreciate that feeling, Sean. But we, we talked about making some of these issues uh, accessible to the audience, right? And that's why the, the title, I forget where it came from, but the where you are, that is, this is not about, you know, helping everyone become, uh, you know, acronym speaking technologists, but about helping them understand the impact on their uh, their daily lives, on the operation of businesses, on the running of government uh, agencies and so forth. 
So the goal was to bring kind of a plain language, you know, focus to some key issues that cut across the industry. I also think that we also we wanted to uh, focus on what makes CIS unique, and what we talked about in that first episode included, you know, we're we're an unusual organization, at least in my experience in, in this industry of several decades. Uh, we're we're an advice creating or an advice giving organization, but we also have to live and breathe it. You know, we have this twenty four seven nationwide operational you know, crisis driven uh, mission that is a is part and parcel of what we do. So it's not about telling people what to do. We have to work specifically with a large audience to to make it happen you know, across state, local, tribal, territorial governments. And then you represent the, and by the way, we're, we're also a, a you know, pretty complicated for its size computing uh, organization. And so we have to deal with all the same issues as everyone else. And we have the same kinds of complicated partnerships and worldwide reach with our volunteers and our vendors and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, so the, the idea of, oh, and, and by the way, I appreciate you being able to take a break away from <laughs> Log4j to come join us because yes. that's part of our real life uh, challenge here. So, so we have, you know, tried to blend a, a mix of sort of thoughtful episodes with contemporary issues some that are focused on CIS, but some are, uh, that are focused much more broadly. And it feels like we, we did pretty well. We, we covered a wide range of things with, with lots more to come. Uh, Jason, if I could pick on you for just a second. So as director of communications for us, right? This is just one of the many things that has really come up strong in the last couple of years at CIS. You give a little insight into what you're thinking is about the podcast and its, its place in the the set of things that you're yeah you know i always try to take a perspective of what benefits our external stakeholders the most it's not necessarily just what's best for cis although that's important it's what are we giving to the outside world and it's a key part of our mission focus as a company so it jives really well um, and so with that in mind we try to take you know a multi-channel approach right to communicating to our, our various different audiences which often expand uh, and grow over time uh, each year uh, as our mission grows so um, you know a lot of what my team does is focused on media um, you know obviously we do a lot of written stuff uh, through the marketing team uh, as well but th there's a limitation right to how many words you can put on a piece of paper that somebody's going to read there's a there's a limit to how many quotes you're going to get in the media story, if any, um, for the things that you're pushing and trying to drive awareness on. Uh, you know, this type of, of venue or, or um, channel, if you will, for a podcast gives you the opportunity to go deep, right? It gives you the opportunity to talk about the things and provide more context um, than you might get uh, in any of the other things that we do. Um, and it also takes different form and function, right? I mean, there's something, I think, especially for an IT pro or a security pro, there's something almost, I'll say, quote unquote, relaxing about being able to listen on your car, in your car on your way back home and decompress a little bit, but still not disconnect um, from the world that you live in. So you get to, you know, valuable perspectives from folks like yourself, Tony and Sean, who have um, had, you know, tremendous experience across government, across private industry, doing this kind of thing and hearing someone else's perspective as a way to, to kind of decompress a little bit and change your, your mindset, I think is really helpful. Um, yeah, so I think that's that's the key thing. And, I, you know, we wouldn't be anything without our guests as well. Um, you know, if we didn't bring our own external perspectives in, uh, we'd probably end up being very fairly myopic. So I give kudos to, to Danielle and you and Sean for finding the right folks to bring in uh, for these podcasts. I had said to Danielle earlier in the week on a call, I said, honestly, like we're wrapping up the year here, I had no intention that we were going to be able to get even up to one a month done. And we managed to get two a month done um, in 20 plus episodes. And, and they all turned out, you know, there, there's one thing to do a bunch of stuff. It's another thing to do a bunch of stuff well. Um, and these turned out really well. So I'm super excited by, by what's been accomplished, all the really appreciative for all the work that Chad and Danielle and you and Shauna put in. And um, I'm excited for what's to come next year. Yeah, thanks, Jason. I think that's that's, that's helpful. And, you know, you're, you're right that it's not one communications media anymore, right? There's, there's many things. And and uh, you know, I've, I've really appreciated some of the things you mentioned, that it's the chance to have this sort of informal back and forth that uh, gives us a chance to go into topics with a little more personal level or a little deeper or from a different angle than you're ever going to get in a formal conference Absolutely. presentation or in a written form or something like that. And so, and Sean, I, I look back over our list of guests and I thought, you know what, I, I think what Sean and I surreptitiously did was pick out guests, the people that we really want to talk to. You know, either someone that we know and, and have been trying to have a conversation like this with or someone that we, you know, uh, have been uh, 
you know, it's part of our sort of circle of folks that are just interesting. We love to talk to any special uh, episodes or guests kind of jump out or that sort of fit that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we've got, we've had some, uh, I call them the CIS uh, alumni, you know, we've had um, Phil Langlois, a great episode with Mm -hmm. him on awareness Mm -hmm. uh, and his perspective. And uh, again, just what he's done uh, in the industry again and and building uh, his capability and brand is, is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, you know, we talk about um, Ryan Spellman. Uh, that was episode three, talking about third-party yeah. risk and everything we're dealing with now. We were talking about uh, in March, and it, it's just yeah. funny how it permeates, you know, throughout the industry. And you, you know, you've seen other um, organizations that have fallen into this uh, these underlying issues. Um, uh, so those, uh, you know, our alumni. We've got, you know, current um, CIS staff. So talking with our chief technology officer. Uh, I know we've both had um, uh, podcasts with uh, Kathleen Moriarty, just phenomenal in-depth mm-hmm. technical capability and experience and just uh, really getting to sit down. And again, like you say, it's uh, it's the opportunity. Oh, I really want to talk to you about this. Let's do it in a podcast as well and let everybody hear what we're doing. I just absolutely phenomenal. And, you know, Mosi Platt in episode, uh, episode nine, I believe, um, with mitigating risk and and his experience in governance and the things he's gone on and done and uh, some of the advocacy he's uh, a part of, absolutely phenomenal. It's just again, it's a privilege to be able to talk to to these people with respect to something we love, right? You know, cybersecurity and and all of these elements and being able to be part of it. Uh, it it uh, helps me, you know. It, it helped encourage me to what's the next thing we need to do in cybersecurity and then. Obviously, how can we share that uh, through this medium? And obviously, the others uh, that Jason had mentioned. And uh, again, very important. I think, um, Tony, you may appreciate this, is uh, it's always good to have a story, but to have the medium in which to tell it and the enablement that's coming from Jason and his team to allow us uh, this opportunity. I think it's reaching a lot more people rather than just me and you having a conversation. I, you know, Hopefully, that's the underlying uh, goal is to help others. These are the questions I have, and and getting the answers from you know subject matter experts is uh, uh, hopefully helps uh, our audience. So I got I got to ask you guys. Can I ask you guys a question? Because I, again, I, I try to stay totally attuned as much as I can to the outside world, and um, I'd be interested in your take on where you guys think because cybersecurity seems to evolve. Even in the two years I've been here, right? In the two years it's evolved. You know what counts as cybersecurity and what doesn't. Um, and I literally got a call from a reporter last night uh, about a TikTok. Um, basically uh, challenge that was going on in schools. Um, and they said, hey, I want a cybersecurity expert to talk to me about how these TikTok things go viral. And I was kind of like, I don't think that's really our lane. Um, but then I had to step back and go a second and go, is this where cybersecurity moves is, you know, kind of mis and disinformation now cybersecurity? Or, so I'd be curious just to get your guys take, because I, I hear this from the outside world and it almost changes my headset and redefines how maybe I think about cybersecurity. I'd be interested in your take. Yeah, I'll start if you don't mind, Sean. I mean, you know, if I, I, there's a, a slide I've used in presentations before that show the progression of my career based upon acronyms. And, and uh, you know, so I started in ComSec, communication security, which became information security, which became information assurance, which became defensive information operations, you know, this sort of sort of bureaucratic naming. <clears throat> but what was really happening was, I'll call it the uh, expansion of thinking about the problem. You know, it, it went from when you think about communication security, you're talking about the confidentiality, you know, integrity, kind of classic things, and primarily around the mathematics and technology. And all those names, you know, and it's easy to make fun of them because that's how I often do, but they're really about the changing understanding of the problem, right? That you can't just focus on technology. You have to look at information itself and the computing environment and all these. And so you know, we sort of hit a peak with cyber. You know, cyber is like the perfect slang name, right? Because it's, it's whatever... The, the definer chooses it to me. And so you have this sort of broad notion now. This is about technology and information much more broadly. And you know you can't talk about the, the application of technology without dealing with disinformation, right? With a, about the way people manipulate systems deliberately to cause uh, changes in behavior or opinions or, or social trends to, to, mag- to be magnified. And so I, in some sense, they, they are part and parcel of that. But I think it's an indicator of a broader trend you know, this, and, and this is actually a good thing when I've talked about it, right? We thought in the 70s and 80s 
we could solve this problem, whatever that meant, through technology. If we could just invent the right kind of operating system based upon the right mathematics, you know, then you know, people would have confidence and we wouldn't have to worry about these problems. And it turns out that doggone it, human beings are involved. And so <laughs> it's a much broader problem than that. And so what we've really seen, and this came up in a couple of our episodes, and I think we'll address more in the new year, you know, this has become a social issue, right? This is, this is about risk much more broadly, really, you know, the things that, that folks like Sean have been dealing with. It's not about the IT risk, right, yep. Sean? You know, you, you cover everything from reputational issues to the role that we play with uh, other countries. You know, there's, there's just a huge range of things. These are boardroom issues now, not the CIO's problem to solve or the CISO's problem to solve. And these are about the way a business operates. And so it has to look at all these much broader dynamics that are out there. And, you know, we, we can't avoid them, right? They are really part of what we have to do. So... Now, again, we don't we can't put equal attention on everything. There are some areas that are sort of more obviously obviously in our lane than others. But I'd say the the trend that you're, you're seeing, Jason, is absolutely on the money. Right. This is about the operation of businesses. This is about our our social activity, you know, the way people get their information, the, uh, the way it affects politics and elections and all that sort of thing. So I think I think that's kind of the trend. And, you, you know, again, um, the role of insurance companies and judges and lawyers and all that, you know, all that is really uh, well underway, but still unestablished, right? There's still a lot to be figured out about what that means. And you can see it, especially in the insurance industry. I'll give a little sneak preview that next year we're going to have other episodes where we're talking about, which Tony, you've touched on many times, that the human element is so much a part of sometimes the greatest vulnerability often the greatest vulnerability. So I'm really looking forward to a lot of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Those human vulnerability episodes are going to be fantastic. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah Sean, any, any, any thoughts along that? No, I, I follow Chad's thoughts. You know, this is um, kind of socially engineered, you know, one of those uh, uh, terms that we use in cybersecurity into... Uh, into our lives. And, and uh, I, I really appreciate the point, Jason, of the last two years. And what happened in the last two years, the pandemic, right? We moved from a face-to-face -face analog to we were pure digital. We had to. There was no point, uh, you know, there was, we really didn't have an option at, at this point. And so that has really um, encouraged communication channels through digitization. And so now we're, you know, more accustomed to getting uh, news and, uh, you know, we could apply some social network graphs and show the uh, how a, a trend from uh, TikTok goes viral, as it were, because that's the communication mechanism we're listening to. That's the one we're using. And it's, we become so used to um, really our lives being digitized. I mean, it is the digitization of our social interactions you know, as human beings, we need that. And this is the way we get it now. And it, it permeates just, again, it's not just individuals, towns, and you see how now worldwide, there is an effect. And uh, to Tony's point, you know, information, disinformation, and the, uh, the augmented how we describe what we do, takes on different you know, forms and platforms, depending really, like uh, Chad said, on your experience, your your interaction with these types of tools. And as we move forward with newer technology, uh, it's going to be a very, very interesting point because it's not going to only be the psychology of the individual, the person, the group, but then also the underlying machine as AI advances. It's going to be such an interesting, and it continues to evolve where you know, Tony had mentioned in the 80s, there was a, an idea and it's in some kind, in some cases, the same with physics. We, we figured everything out. There's nothing new to look at in the 1800s, moving into the 1900s. And then there was a boom. It's the same thing we're doing here. It's the more technology, the more applications, the more uh, technical technological constructs that we put in place, self-driving cars, everything we want to see advance into the future. Um uh, is a part to play in cybersecurity, uh, especially IoT and all these elements. Yeah, I got to I got to say, Sean, I one of the, I was exchanging emails with a, a different reporter that writes a tech newsletter that I really appreciate. She has good views, um, <clears throat> and I was I, we were talking about the metaverse um, and, and kind of the new the new term, the metaverse. And it occurs to me as I'm sitting here talking to you over uh, a Zoom call, basically, that we've literally been in the metaverse for like two years. Yep. Um, we just didn't know it yet. <laughs> 
Um, but one of the things I brought up to her was I said, and this was kind of after the Francis Hogan Facebook uh, revelations, I just kind of teed up the idea like, okay, you're really smart about this. I'd like your opinion on like, shouldn't we start trying to define the rules of the metaverse before we all move there instead of making them up as we go? Um, and it occurs to me that the more and more stuff we connect into the internet, it becomes, you know, it was the wild, wild west and cybersecurity before. Now it's like the worldwide wild west. Um, because, I mean, we've seen, yeah. even with the stuff you're dealing with this week, and just about everybody's dealing with the Log4j, um, you know, the attacks on the meatpacking plants, the pipelines, the you name it. It doesn't feel like the social norms, the human elements that, you know, we're so accustomed to in real life, IRL, so to speak, have caught up online to all the things in our real life that we've connected to the internet. It's just, it, it seems, I, I'm kind of stunned by it. Maybe I shouldn't be. Yeah, the, the you know, the history of technology advance, right, is uh, no one waits until until uh, someone tells them it's safe before they use yeah. it. And uh, <laughs> the, the common wisdom with my industry friends, I don't know if you ever heard this one, Sean, but the, I won't mention the big IT company, but you know, the, the, the saying there was, uh, second to market is last to market. Right. That is, you know, and so and we have proven as a society. Right. And we will for buggy software. <laughs> yep. We'll put up with it because we want what it does. Right. We we focus on capability and this access to information, all this. And, yeah, there's problems. And you know, we've kind of glossed them over socially. Right. That they're not they don't hold us back, at least not most of us back from uh, adopting these things. And, yeah, there's a, a tremendous uh, social challenge you hear, you know, what it rem reminds me of, you know, and I think our podcast is part of that. Um, you, you know, we have this discussion sometime in, in, in the leadership table, Sean, you, you know, what is our fundamental value at CIS, right? This is not a plug. This is an observation. Really, it's not about technology, right? We can't assemble, you know, a, a uniquely smarter group of volunteers than Google can assemble or Microsoft can assemble or, or you know, whatever. What we really represent is independence and trust. Right. That is really the value that we create. And in uncertain times, that value actually goes up significantly. And it's one of the most precious commodities. And we talk about, you know, the actions we will take and would it erode the trust that we have created. Right. Well, then it's unacceptable. We can't do that. Right. Because, you know, so when you think of us abstractly as to what we bring, that that is what I've always viewed as the fundamental value. And it's also true because of the social issues around the role of uh, large central governments and sort of this general social distrust, we might say, right? That we need, you know, people are looking for things that represent some sort of anchor or some sort of, uh, you know, trusted source of information. And so we have to, you know, we've had lots of discussions about that and how important that is, uh, you, you know, to our audience at large, but also in, in terms of the role that CIS plays. And I think that's, you know, that's, that's part of the, the thinking going forward, right? So we think broadly about this. And, you know, for us, it's unacceptable to say, yeah, the technology is great. But of course, everyone is completely misled by the disinformation part of it. And so that's, you know, we just sort of the way we think about our mission, we wouldn't see that as acceptable. We solved our problem, but everybody else is on their own. That, that doesn't, that's not the way we talk. That's not the way we think. And that doesn't mean that's easy. That's just, I think that is the attitude that we believe is important for a, you know, for the Center for Internet Security. So I don't know, there's a lot to be, um, you know, um, uh, to, to, to unfold, I guess. And I think the, the last two years have been exciting, Jason, absolutely. I think there's more to come though, right? There's a lot of uncertainty about what it's gonna be. Um, let me shift back to the kind of the episodes and the, and the podcast. I will share with you one couple of my favorites. And again, I hope this doesn't sound like a plug for CIS, but you know, the, the, we did a couple of episodes around version eight of the controls. So I was I first got involved. You know I'm part of the, uh, the 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 origin story of the controls, but I came back into it about version four after I retired from from the National Security Agency, and then wound up taking it over and, and brought the project to, to the Center for Internet Security. But version eight is the first in a while that I haven't run, and to watch uh, Phyllis Lee from our team really take that over is just a joy to me. You know to see the maturing of the process of the people, the team that's behind it, the organization that supports it. So we had two episodes, uh, both both had uh, Phyllis, kind of a preview of, of version eight. Uh, and so, so you know, kudos to Phyllis. I think she did a great job. And I got to, you know, now I get to be on the sidelines as the uh, the wise old, uh, you know, advisor to, to help guide, but just stand in awe of the work of, of Phyllis and her team. 
But we also featured uh, two, of the, two of our key volunteers, Rick Doughton and uh, Randy Marchini. And, you know, our, the lifeblood of what we do is, is volunteerism. And to have them, you know, to be in a conversation with them and talk about how long they've been involved. And, and they bring great experience that I don't have or Phyllis didn't have or none of our team has, right? Randy's the CISO for Virginia Tech. Rick Doughton has been all around this industry doing great things. And so it's really a pleasure to watch that and to be part in a in a discussion with folks like that, right? And it really reminds me of what the, the, the unique role that we play here. So any other uh, favorites? Another great thing about the controls that we'd hear in the podcasts is during the Atkinson Nine, when Sean asks people what their favorite control is, and sometimes they'll say one that I have no idea what that is. I can't remember, you know. So I'll here in the engineering booth, I'll type it up and I'll go, "Oh yeah, that is a good one." What am I doing that one? Oh man! So that's uh, it, that's kind of a cool thing about the pod. I hopefully no one is doing that while they're driving in their car listening to the podcast. But if you're uh, you're out jogging or something, you know, hopefully you'll. Go to the website, find that control, remind yourself. Yeah, absolutely. It's, so I'm glad you brought that one up, Chad, because I was going to go there. But uh, when I look back at some of my favorite episodes, that the, the one where Sean brought that in and we had a conversation about that was just delightful. And I, I think I admitted to you previously, Sean, when, when you proposed that, I thought, oh, okay, <laughs> you know, it'll be all right. Uh, but it turned out those questions really uh, pulled out some deep thinking about some foundational issues. And, and I really enjoyed that conversation. Again, it's not the kind of thing that we might have just casually, right? And by framing it in a, in a list of questions, it, it really brought us to that conversation. You want to tell me a little bit about your thinking there and uh, you know, why that exercise is so meaningful to you and then yeah. you, you bring it to others. Yeah, no, it was uh, obviously I call it the James Lipton-esque approach to, okay. uh, yeah. to those nine. And, uh, you know, it's really, um, you know, those short answers to get really to discuss and the deep thinking that goes into them is it's quite amazing for such, you know, really simple question in some cases and to see and to you know get the idea of what's being thought about from obviously industry veterans and and you know people that we you know enjoy talking to and and to get those perspectives and again especially you tony it was uh great to get that impression as well because it's um i feel like some in some cases you know every other day my favorite control could change uh, just based on what i'm doing that day you know <laughs> yes. And obviously, I'm um, just to go back to some of the work Phyllis has done, and and what you brought to you know the the history of the controls, absolutely phenomenal. I, you know, before I joined CIS, I was a fan. You know, I'd, I'd adopted, I was recommended to everybody, and then to get to be part of it and actually apply it within the organization itself to to the adage we drink our own champagne is it's it's an honor. It really is, and uh, to see the evolution as well. Because, uh, you know, going back to um, some of the points Jason had brought up, it's those controls cannot be static because the world is changing. The way we interact with systems changes. And so do the uh, requisite controls. And, you know, more focus on cloud and IoT and things of that nature is absolutely necessitates the reason why those controls are curated at the level they are today. Absolutely phenomenal. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that also brings out, uh, Sean, the, uh, you know, the the human part of the story. I think is really important. Absolutely. You know, that is this: we are not a giant think tank or a big government agency. We're not a distant, you, you know, uh, standards body or so, something abstract like that, right? And you know, I tell people, if you want to talk to the author of any given thing that we have done, that can we can do that <laughs> because it's, you know, it's it's uh, Josh, you know, or whoever. It's uh, that. You know, knowing that we have uh, the, the sort of personal reach, right, that we are participants, you know, in the environment, that we have this uh, state, local, tribal, territorial government you know, mission is important. The fact that our, our folks have lots of experience and are, you know, found in standards bodies, you know, you mentioned Kathleen and others, you know, that we're kind of out there as part of the community contributing to it. I think that, um, you know, helps bring some both credibility to the story, right, in addition to the to the experience that we're able to bring to this. And, but the, the goal is, uh, you know, they, the, the, the uh, triggered by something you said earlier today, Sean, yeah, you know, I, I said th this business has been around long enough that it's hard to have a unique problem or an original thought. And so you, you ought to spend the first, you know, as you struggle with a problem, the first thing you ought to do is look around who, 
Who's had that thought? Who's worked on that problem? And part of what we do is bring that together, right? And then turn it into a thing, you know, into a, you know, a set, a set of um, controls, a set of tools, you know, some documentation, right? And, and the idea is, you know, you might not be able to find the right person, but we, in some sense, aggregate information, right? Pull it together in a trusted way and make it accessible to people and keep it current. I think one of our most valuable contributions at CIS and again, speaking as a long-term government employee, right? Especially the government. And again, many of the finest human beings I've ever known have, you know, put their time in with the federal government or state government or whatever. But, you know, government has a habit of getting really excited about something for a year or two, and putting aside a big bag of money and congressional attention or or whatever, writing a great paper, and then there's another crisis, and they moves on to the next thing. Right? And so, as you said, things change. So the benchmark that started, you know, from whatever year 2000, 2001 has evolved many times based upon new knowledge of attackers, the uh, evolution of the technology itself. So who's going to, that's one of the key questions you should ask about any security framework or list of recommendations or benchmark setting is who's going to keep it current. And, you know, that's, I'm always looking for that because I've seen it fail so many times. And therefore, the role that we play, right, to have a successful company to sustain the work that we do is really essential. So it's not just about the, do we get the answer right? Is it, are we going to stay on top of this thing for the next several years, right? So people can build a security program around it, right? You can't build a security program, Sean, right, around something that is, you're uncertain about its future. And so you need confidence that it's going to be there. Exactly. Exactly. You've got to continuously reference it, Tony, and you're absolutely right. You know, that comes through a change approach to the way you apply technology, because that's just going to change over time. We're in, this is the time where technology is changing. There's mass migration to the cloud and things of that nature. That brings a whole different perspective, a whole different set of governance requirements and risks. And without, as you mentioned, a framework that's adaptable, that allows you to grow with it, as it were, and to identify those areas you may be missing as gaps, but the controls are now reflecting these gaps are the ones you need to be filled based on threat intelligence is absolutely phenomenal. So uh, again, it's, um, you know, it's the foundation of our security program, obviously, for obvious reasons, but it's it just so impressive and is an advantage uh, for those that are looking to implement governance holistically within an organization. No question. I, I used to say, we don't really uh, use it as a tagline, but I used to say, you know, what we do is at CIS is we look around for the problems that every enterprise needs to solve, yes. but most can't do on their own. Yes. You know, if, if we think, right, as a society, that every enterprise, right, every company in our economy is going to be able to read threat reports, understand all their dependencies, right? Look at the latest emerging technology and its business application and make sense of that, then we are doomed. Because it took me a while to realize, you know, coming from big government and then my second career, realized most of our economy cannot do that. They cannot execute that sort of traditional method, right? Buy technology, get some guidance, compose, you know, a secure environment to operate. It, it, it's, you're asking too much, right? right. You know, it would be like asking them to all to develop their own safety procedures for building the building that they live in, right? They can't, yeah. it's unreasonable to think that that's a good way to do it. So we have to codify a lot of this knowledge in a way that's very accessible to people who buy it or rent it or, you know, get the benefit of it without having to become experts themselves. Absolutely. And I think that's, again, that's part of what uh, we try to do here with the podcast, with uh, all the different communications things that, you know, that Jason has talked about and so forth. Uh, Chad, back to you though. I want to ask you. So, from behind the scenes, do you have any favorite episodes or any, any or any uh, that if it's really a disaster, you don't have to share? It. <laughs> sort of behind the curtain thing you want to tell us about the, the disaster parts. I just cut out. Um, oh, but you. Uh, you know, one of my favorites was when uh, Randy Rose sat in, and it was the Halloween, I believe, top five scariest because yep. ah, everyone loves top five lists anyway, right? But, um, you know, Randy went into a lot of detail as far as he kind of added a lot of stories, like we talked about Stuxnet and, and some of the um, critical infrastructures. And, you know, when you hear stories like that, it, uh, it really gets you even more interested. And, you know, I was hoping that a lot of the audience would paying attention to that understand, uh, you know, people aren't always, unless they've really personally been affected sometimes they hear their company has a bug or whatever but when people yeah. hear those types of things and they go wow that that is scary and that 
that sounds like a spy movie, but it's not. It's real life. Um, and that's made it a fascinating podcast, but also a, you know, a warning to everybody that these are things that we all need to take uh, individual responsibility with as well. So I thought that was a great podcast. Yeah, great call. You're, you're right. And I think that was a little bit of a, a look under the hood. You know, mo- uh, you know, so I grew up in, the, again, the Defense Department and dealing with the military, uh, you know, IT and communications and all that. And, you know, there was a school of thought, right, when in the early days of this, you'd hear from some really senior senior, you know, uniformed people and, and civilians. You know, the idea was, you know, who, who, somebody, we need to fire the person that failed to put the patch in place. You know, we need to make an example of them, you know, and this is about command responsibility. Yeah. yeah. And there's an, there's an aspect of that. But I, I had to challenge that at every opportunity. I said, you know, I've met a gazillion frontline defenders in, in my lifetime, right, from, you know, 19-year-old tech school graduates in the military. To, and and to a person, they, they by and large are good at what they do and incredibly dedicated and when a crisis hits and we're in the middle of one right now they work around the clock to get things back up and running again right these are really good people struggling with a really complicated problem using fragile technology and uh, sort of conflicting requirements and so forth so it's never, i've never thought about it as a problem of we have bad people i thought what we have is bad strategy you know how do we how do we compose our systems how do we architect them right what, what do we get from the vendors and you know, th- this is a much more complex problem than we need to make an example of someone who is irresponsible. We're also just getting to the point where we, you know, you can't hold people accountable unless you can define what they're accountable for. And so if this idea was, you know, keep us secure, if that's your requirement, well, obviously everyone's going to fail. And so that's just a terrible way to, to try and operate. But I think maybe, Sean, we could think a little bit about for the coming year, maybe some more of these under the hood frontline stories, because I think a lot of our IT world is held together through, and I'll, I'll, I'll say it uh, uh, at the risk of overstating, uh, uh, by heroic people doing really hard work, you know, under the hood to, to get things to work, to figure out a bad new thing has happened quick. We got to figure out in a complicated environment how bad it really is for us. I think there's a lot of great people working hard on this. And I love those stories because uh, I got to see a lot of them up close and personal over my time. Tony, I'd be curious to hear your point of view that I'm sure... Um, when you're working for the NSA and organizations like that, that if something goes bad, oh boy, do you guys get the blame in the newspapers and everything. But no one hears the thousands of unsung victories that you guys do to protect the country and the world. Yeah, I, <laughs> there's there's a bit of that for sure. Uh, yeah, Chad. But you know, hey, when when you work at a place like NSA, you sort of accept that as part of the bargain, right? That you're you're not going to uh, get famous for all the goodness. And uh, you know, it, it is a difficult world, right? And I, I'm not a cynical person. If you if you ever get a chance to know me, I'm a, I'm a hopeless optimist. You can't work in defense for 45 years and not be a hopeless optimist, frankly. Right? You have to you have to have a certain amount of uh, hope that things can get better. But you know, you kind of accept that, right? That this is this is part and parcel of the the things that you do that, you know, again, folks like Sean, uh, you know, Angelo and the team in our IT shop. I mean, this is 99%, you know, amazing stuff that happens and no one quite uh, appreciates that. And then the one failure or the one challenge that's there. I will say, you know, this a lot of this came up right during, during the COVID times. And Sean, you remember, I, I tell people, somehow we went remote as a workforce, basically over a long weekend. It was amazing, I thought, you know, and it wasn't there was certainly a heroic weekend and a lot there, but it was really, I thought, the build up over the prior year plus, you know, that is the the building of capacity, right? The sort of putting in place uh, the the uh, visibility of our enterprise, the po- all the great work that you did in terms of policy and risk understanding, you know, that's what allowed us to make that kind of a, a shift, right? As opposed to it being chaos. And I'm sure it wasn't easy. You know, I wasn't there all weekend, but it was just. Pretty impressive as a now a consumer of IT right? as, as an employee of the company. You go, wow! How did that happen so so quickly? You know, well, it was because of a year's worth of great work <clears throat> or whatever you know preceded it that allows us then to to deal with the crisis of the day. So, so cre- all credit for the for dealing with the crisis, but even more credit for the work that led up to that, right? That allowed us to manage that, and that's really the uh, unsung unsung. Uh, part of it. You know, we used to joke, uh, so again, I'm, I'm one of the few NSA uh, lifers who uh, spent his entire career in defense. You know, that's not where the glory is at NSA, believe me. <laughs> and, and people were wonderful to me, but I just, that that's, you know, if you want glory, you know, offense, 
uh, I, I use a term, and I, I say this respectfully to all my friends who worked in offense, right? Uh, defense wins games, but offense wins budgets. You know, that is, that's where the attention goes, the, the leadership attention, the money and all that. And, uh, you know, there's a sort of like, yeah, and defense is like kind of assumed it's going to, it's going to be okay. Well, it's, there's a lot of great things happening to make sure it's going to be okay. So if you ever heard my, uh, my, my spiel, the, the talk I used to give um, on um, uh, Independence Day versus Groundhog Day, does that one ring a bell? <laughs> you know, yes. we, we wish defense were like the movie Independence Day, right? You know, a heroic act you know, invention to create the, the virus that heroically delivered to the alien mothership, come back, you know, heroes do great things, escape in time, boom goes the aliens, celebratory cigar, parade for the good guys. Well, you know, 40 years in cyber defense, no parade for me. You know, it's, it's Groundhog Day, right? It's over and over. It's running machinery. It's putting great machinery in place. And so getting a sense of that, I think, is a, is a helpful uh, thing that we could think about for the next year or two. And, uh, again, I have such great respect for folks who work IT for a living. You know, come, having come up as a, uh, you know, as a math guy, then computer scientist, I always said I, I wrote enough software so that it was clear to me no responsible employer should ever pay me to write software. <laughs> you know, cause it's so hard. You know, I, I I made some amazing mistakes in my time. Got a few good things to work, but it's like okay, I think I think I better. I think I'm better at poking holes at other people's software than, than writing good software. Fantastic. So, any other things, Sean, uh, that you want to talk about in terms of a summary of the last year of podcasts or any topics you think might be coming up? No, yeah, for you know, for topics, I think um, we'll obviously have to discuss some supply chain security just based on what we've seen. Again, I think it's mm -hmm. uh, something we you know uh, need to do. Uh, and right. uh, you know the next year is going to have a number of challenges. Do we are we still in the in the new normal, as it were? Are we moving back to what I'll deem the old normal? That's going to have some transition and some uh, consequences uh, that uh, will certainly need to be discussed again from the uh, underlying social perspective as well. So I think uh, again from a twenty twenty two perspective. Uh, I, with the team that we have, uh, you know, we're augmenting our internal team for new ideas uh, in order to, uh, you know, really hopefully, again, reach an audience that uh, is interested and is able to utilize the information. I think it's it's okay to say things and, and, and you know, write things, and, and we've talked about that, but to make them actionable, practical application and utilizing these ideas and capabilities uh, is huge for me. So that's what I'm taking into 2022. Yeah, great, great topic. You know, the supply chain has, you know, has always been there as part of the, the challenge. But the last, you know, between solar wind, and the log four stuff, I mean, it's been really clear, right? These fragile pieces that we're all dependent upon, yeah. and we, and no one really understood them until something happens. You know, and that is a sort of classic problems, right? At the end of the day, security and insecurity are system effects. They're a function of what gets composed, not the good intentions of a piece of software or the operational practice or the whatever. Exactly. So I think there's some of that. You know, and also in the spirit of um, of what we do at CIS. You know, when, when I, I remember in the early days of when I joined CIS, uh, people said, "Well, what's what's the strategic plan? You know, what are you going to have next? I don't know. What's on your what's on your worry list? <laughs> you know, that's now in our strategic plan. You know, we we want to hear from you." Right. We're here to solve problems for people, again, that they might not be able to solve on their own. So any listener who's got some ideas that they would love to hear addressed in this podcast series or by CIS products or uh, other information generally, you know, we're, we're looking for that. We're actively looking for that. And we get a lot of great information from our, um, uh, you know, we manage our volunteers through an in-house social media platform through Workbench. We get a lot of great information there. We get a lot of just unsolicited conversation like. The, the street, you know, I, I miss the old days of where, where we would uh, give a conference talk. And, you know, the real fun was the people who come streaming up to you afterwards, you know, to say, I've got this problem. You know, what can, can you help me with this? Or, you know, there are a lot of a lot of uh, kind remarks, but also a lot of classic problems that people would bring, you know, with hopes that they could find someone to trust to help them with that. So I think we'd love to hear from the audience that, um, you know, any ideas that they have, the topics, speakers and so forth. And we'd be happy to try and work those in. Absolutely. Any other thoughts, Jason, from your perspective on, on the kind of where you see us going in terms of communications or, uh, 
you know, the, the, the sort of nexus between the way we communicate and the mission that we take on? Yeah, I think yeah, the one thing that sticks out to me is, uh, you know, the challenge, of course, with this is you can't do everything for everybody all the time. Um, so, you know, we need, there's a little bit of focus and prioritization necessary, but I'll be interested to see um, how we can communicate all the things that we do down to the consumer level. So we primarily spend a lot of our time focused at the enterprise level, which is appropriate because that's where the bulk of the, you know, the stuff that touches the important stuff lives. Um, but I, I recently hired a new media person who came from local news and has a very strong local perspective and, and kind of Joe public, Jane public um, point of yeah. view. And, and I, I didn't really appreciate how important that was until she started going and pitching stories about, you know, how we can help the everyday user, which we don't necessarily talk about a lot. Right. Um, we do talk about it a little mm -hmm. bit. Um, I, I'll be curious to see if and how we can translate all of the important things at enterprise levels down to the, you know, just some of the basics, right? The essential cyber hygiene that we talk about for enterprises, how that translates down into, you know, what my kids will inevitably grow up in. And I can't even imagine, you know, I have three young kids what the world's going to look like from a cyber risk perspective for them when they grow up. It may be at the same scale and scope as what enterprises face today. Who knows? But um, I certainly want to be able to help them navigate the world, um, mostly digital or not entirely digital by the time they get to be my age. So, no, I think it's a great, a great point and, uh, you know, worth addressing. We've had discussions about this at the, you know, at the, around the strategy table and, and thinking about it, but it, it is really important. I mean, again, this is a pervasive social issue, yeah. right? Everyone's a player, whether they realize it or not, and they're making decisions every day, and they're making it with really not very good information. Well, you know, I think I think the and, nice thing I like about the controls in particular is that it's a framework, and I like the concept of framework because it's like you know, if you want your kids to behave a certain way when they're adults, you model the behavior and then teach them where those behaviors apply versus being there every single minute for them to do it. And, you know, I, I think to the extent that, um, you know, we're able to framework things for people to just have a grasp of, if you run into this situation, these are the things you want to think about, right, as an individual from a, uh, from a security mm -hmm. perspective. But, sorry. No, I think, I think that's right. And I think to, you know, to your theme there of the, you know, the end users, the normal citizens, right, the, you know, the people that we're, we're here to help. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of what you I, I use the verbal uh, the, the verb a lot uh, translate, right? A lot of what we do is we try to translate the esoterics of, of uh, threat intelligence, right, and technology and how businesses use technology, and translate it into something that's more accessible, which is usually around behavior, right? We don't we don't ask people to, you know, like if you look at the the public health issues, right? We we ask people to engage in behaviors, wash your hands, get your shots, cover your mouth, you know, don't. Don't go to these kinds of locations. And the assumption that they make rightfully, and not everyone makes that assumption, is that there's, there's science behind it, right? The smart people who speak the language and do the research and so forth have responsibly translated all this specialized knowledge into behavior so that people can make rational choices without having to become experts. And I think this, this notion of translation is part and parcel of what we do. And I think is, uh, you know, is a valuable thing because again, it, it's consistent with the way we would handle public health or safety or, or any other number of high risk activities. And it's uh, a lot easier said than done, right? People can give you all kinds of lists and, you know, all kinds of uh, top 10 this or whatever, but this translation into something and a frame, framework, you know, people get hung up on, oh, security framework is a big thousand page <laughs> document. Well, sometimes it is, but it's also, it's a way to make decisions. Yeah. As you said, right? How do I gather information? Who do I trust? How do I trust? make a decision in the in this yeah. context in a way that you know allows me to not make perfect decisions but rational choices i, and I think that's a that's a fair i, I got to give a, just a fairly concrete example because it just came up yesterday um so you yeah. know i i was out at a conference <laughs> last week you know traveling again and you walk through security at our airport and there's one of those uv um boxes where you can put your physical phone right um, to disinfect your phone okay. before you walk in, which I thought was pretty cool. I'd never used them before. I'm like, you know, okay. people pay attention to that, right? People sanitize their hands, especially during COVID. They wipe off surfaces, things like that. What I didn't appreciate was how much my cyber hygiene, how close literally physically it was to my physical hygiene until we had our VP of operations, James Glove, on a, on a local TV interview uh, two days ago. Okay. And, you know, talking about Log4J, and he's like, hey, you got to remember if you've got an iPhone or an Android, all those apps that you have open in Windows, you got to close them. Otherwise, they're continuously open. And I'm going, 
well, holy crap, like, you know, if I hadn't sanitized my phone, I could have gotten sick. And the equivalent, the cyber equivalent is right beneath the surface. And I didn't even know about it until James mentioned it on a call. And I'm going, wow, like, you don't really realize how much of your life, um, one, is on a device. Um, but two, like, how much your physical and digital are literally right next to each other. And if you're going to spend the time to stick your thing in a box for 30 seconds and get it clean, you should probably take the five seconds it takes to do the little things to keep yourself safe digitally. <laughs> Good point. I never thought of it that way, but I appreciate that. Anyway, so I, I think, uh, so it's been a great year, right? Great year mission for CIS. Absolutely. And we appreciate all the, the folks that support us, our partners who, again, no, nothing we do at CIS is alone, right? Through, through, uh, we have great volunteers that contribute uh, amazing uh, work. We have great uh, industry partners. We've got lots, lots of nonprofit friends, friends in government. And it's really uh, satisfying to, to feel like we have a, a a special role to play in that ecosystem, uh, but it's been a great year mission-wise, and we've you know we've had again the same challenges that, that all of our uh, uh, computing friends have had, and I think have uh, weathered the the storm so far, and looking looking forward to more. So, any other thoughts on the um, um, on the podcast on communications in general? Again, we we welcome your input. And in fact, we we need it. Right, we're, we're here to to work for you, uh, Chad. Any last thoughts from the? Uh, this is your the last chance that we have to have you from behind the curtain and out here speaking with us. So any last thoughts from you? <laughs> yeah, after this, I disappear and okay. I won't exist. Oh, I, right. I think it was a, a the it was an amazing year. You know, I'm, I, I get to see the numbers and all the subscribers and it's huge. And, you know, we hear from people who, who listen to it in the car and people who take it on walks. And apparently, you know, with COVID, there's just a lot of people listening to, to podcasts more and more. And, you know, I'm glad they're tuning in to us because we provide something really valuable. And as we've all kind of discussed today, we are a podcast that translates the gobbledygook to something that people, the average person can understand, the technical wizard can understand. I, I've listened, tuned into some of the other cybersecurity podcasts, and I still don't know what a flux capacitor <laughs> is, but it's... Uh, it's been a great year, and I'm, you know, I'm really looking forward to the other uh, subjects we're bringing up. Uh, I got to say to the three of you, plus Danielle, yeah, like yeah, kudos for all the work. Like for anybody that's listening has never done a podcast before, like you don't just show up and it just happens. Uh, there's quite a bit of work that goes into it, um, and you know, uh, Tony and Sean are, are brilliant, um, and you hear a lot of good stuff from them. But it takes some work, so uh, kudos to you guys for getting 20 now 21 episodes done for the year. Um, excellent work. Really Absolutely. appreciate it. Oh, it's, it's been a highlight. Any last thoughts from you, Sean, about the uh, podcast or the year? No, just a great year. Uh, thank you uh, again to all the support. Thank you, Tony. Uh, again, it's a, it's a privilege to be able to do this with you and uh, get your insights and uh, see where we're going to take this in 2022. It's fantastic. <laughs> Absolutely. Back at you, Sean. It's been great. As we said, you know, we, we get more chance to talk to yeah. each other in the context of this podcast than we do in our normal business. And it's absolutely been delightful and educational from both. So I really appreciate it. Thank so thanks. So with that, we're going to wrap it up. It's been a, a wonderful year. We appreciate all the listeners out there. You know, if you're not subscribing, uh, use the usual methods. If you're interested, uh, the, um, you know, all our, uh, the, the 21 now issues now, or episodes now are online. So please feel free to join us. And again, we, we look forward to your ideas, your feedback, and uh, have a great uh, the rest of this year and a safe, safe cyber 2022. So thank you all very much. Thank you for listening to the show today. If you are interested in learning more about how to grow your cybersecurity program, the free tools available to help you on your journey or to get involved with the CIS volunteer community, visit our website at cisecurity.org. Start secure and stay secure.